wonderful music of the holidays. Always fun. I just love Christmas time and being part of it. It's great. And I know you do. I got a couple of invitations uh, yesterday written out on some scrap paper inviting me to a performance by the grandchildren, Eden and Jackson Broadham, and they're going to have a performance, I think, later on today. So I'm looking forward to that. Maybe you got invitations too for things that are happening in the holiday season. By the way, it's great to have my family here. Josh and Sally Jackson and Bennett are here from Lubbock, where he serves as the youth pastor. And Tony and Rachel and Hope, Eden and Elena are here as well from Hattiesburg, along with uh, Rebecca and, and her boys and her family. So it's great to have them all assembled for the holiday season. And in fact, that's why they went upstairs and they were working on this performance, the grandkids were. So we're going to have a performance by the grandkids later on. I have no idea what it'll be like. Sure, it'll be fun. All right. And what we have in the second chapter of Luke is a great invitation that God gives. And he holds nothing back, even though it's not an announcement to a full Colosseum in Rome, which God could have done on the birth of his son, with thousands of cheering people, even though it's only a few shepherds in a remote pasture outside of Bethlehem, God holds nothing back. He makes his announcement with the grandeur that befits the Almighty. And the scripture says that that angel came, the glory of the Lord shone around them. The shepherds were terrified. The angel makes the announcement of the birth of the promised one. Suddenly there is with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts. It's the only time in the New Testament that that phrase is used to describe the assembled choir of God. A multitude of the heavenly hosts. The word host is actually used to describe military units. And so you had this assembled heavenly multitude that God deploys to the pasture outside of Bethlehem in order that his invitation may be as magnificent as the news which it brings. And the shepherds hear it. The medium is the message, Marshall McLuhan told us. So not only do they have the words, they have the glory of the Lord shown around them, they have the angelic choir, the multitude of the heavenly hosts. They get the point. They want to go to Bethlehem. When the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go, even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. There was no question for them, you see. They knew they'd heard from God. You will know this too. You will know you heard from God. Just as the shepherds understood that God was speaking to them in the midst of all the drama in that field, you will know it as well. God speaks. It is the universal teaching of the Bible from beginning to end. He is the speaking God. And when, we, when he speaks, we know it's him. Now, sometimes we deny it, and we say, God never speaks to me. But actually, if we look back over our history, we realize there are times when circumstances were such that it couldn't have been otherwise, God was conveying his message to us, or people intervened in our life, or we opened the Bible, and suddenly the truth of God was so plain to us. You will hear from God. Every Christmas season is another opportunity for God in the retelling of this story from Bethlehem to capture your heart, to convey his truth, to draw you in. Another opportunity for you to hear his word and know he speaks. Now, the word of God is very important in this passage I've just quoted you from Luke 2, 15 to 20. But the word that is usually translated word or saying here, the word rima, which appears twice in the five verses, is translated things. Let's see this thing is the word rima, translated thing. Mary pondered these things is the word rima. And do you know it's used more than 70 times in the New Testament? And every time, except for three, it's translated as word or say, that which is spoken. Only three times in the whole New Testament, twice here. Only one other time in the New Testament is this word translated things. What the gospel writer wants you to get about the story from the angels and the shepherds is this. This is God's word. God is giving his word. And the shepherds are getting it. They know God has spoken to them in the pasture on this evening. And they're ready to go and tell it. Now, the angel says, even after all the spectacular manifestation of the glory of God, he says, this will be a sign unto you. As if the shepherds needed an additional sign. Like we need something else besides the multitude of heavenly hosts and the glory of the Lord shining all around us and an angel talking to us. Do we need another sign to know that God is speaking? So this is what the sign is about. This will be a sign unto you. Not that you know God speaking. You already know that. The Lord's made this known unto you, okay? I don't want you to get the babies confused, though. 
I want you to know. So this is the sign that you know which baby is the promised one. I don't know how many babies there were in Bethlehem. I don't know. But this particular baby, when you get to Bethlehem, you will find him in a manger. Wrapped in strips of cloth. And that will be the sign to you that this is the promised one. Well, the shepherds get in a hurry. They go with haste to find Mary and Joseph and this baby. This news puts them in motion. They are ready to go. And some news does that for you. Some news just makes you jump up and go. There are times I get news from the TV, the newspaper, or other people, and they tell me things, or I read it on the internet, and you know what? I just sit there. It doesn't make me jump. Truth be known, a lot of times, I'm not even sure I believe it. Does that happen to you? I used to be a reporter. Reporters are known for their cynicism and their skepticism. They collect little tidbits of truth. They are masters of trivia. I was sitting in the newsroom one night, about 10 o'clock, nothing to do, people sitting around the newsroom. People called at the oddest hours, making bets in bars and wanting to know what the truth is. And so they have a question, they call the newsroom. 10 o'clock, the phone rings, somebody answers. The guy that answers puts his hand over the receiver and says, anybody here know how long an elephant's pregnant? Do you know somebody in the room knew how long an elephant was pregnant? Almost anything. And here's the curious thing. The guys that are making the bets in the bars, they just take the newsroom word. That's the gospel truth. Whatever we tell them, that settles the bet. The problem with being a reporter is that you're a master of trivia. You pick up all these little things about a great spectrum of things, but it's never integrated into a whole. Often it just lays out there as tidbits of information that never really come together. Now, this is what puts the hurry in the shepherds, okay? The shepherds are in a hurry because they have heard from God and this announcement fits with all they've heard their whole long life through. When the angel says, the promised one is born to you, maybe one of them thinks back to the word that came from Abraham 2,000 years ago when God said through you and your descendants, all nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And he thought about that promise and he had wondered if it was ever going to take place and now he knew the promised one was going to deliver on the promise made to Abraham hundreds of years ago. And through the prophets and through the kings, God was speaking to his people and saying, I'm sending one. I'm sending a deliverer. There's going to be a special promised one. He's coming to you. He's going to be my servant. He's going to be a king like David. He's going to be a prophet like Moses. And he's going to be my promised one. And all that the angels spoke to the shepherds that night fit into the sense of history that they had learned from the prophets and the scriptures. And when they learned that God had sent his Messiah, it made them move with haste.
you will want to hurry. You will want to hurry too. I can tell you something universal about human beings. They have a sense of need in here. We've been preaching this series about every longing heart. You know what every longing heart desires? Forgiveness. The sense of falling short and not measuring up, the sense of failing and sinning is universal in the human family. Everybody experiences it. It came so strong to me one Christmas when I was preaching the truths of God's word and talking about the promised one and after the Sunday morning service this man accosted me in the hallways and he was screaming at me and thrashing his arms around telling why do you tell people this why do you tell people this and he left after making a scene at church and Monday he called me up and he was very apologetic and he said I want to have lunch with you I said, okay, let's have lunch. So we went out to lunch that week, sat down in a little cafe, looked across the table at me and said, I'm sorry that I, I made a scene at church. I said, that's all right. And then he said, I really wish there was a Savior. I really wish there was a Savior. Even if you don't believe in Jesus, I'll bet you've wished that. I'll bet you wish that. You get up in the morning. You feel a sense of need. You go through your day. And you want somebody to heal the hurt inside. And you know there's something more to life and what you've brought into your heart and soul and you've got a longing. I know that about you because it's universal. It's in every heart. You know who put that there? God did when he made you. God put that there. If you heard today that Someone had come into the world from God who could meet the deepest longing of your heart. And you heard it. And you knew it was from God, the way it was delivered and the sense of that message and the angelic course, and you knew it was from God, that God had sent a Savior, somebody to rescue you from the trouble that you could not rescue yourself from. You'd be in a hurry. You'd want to find him. You'd want to get there. That would happen to you. I was in the jail Friday singing to the prisoners, carols, taking them candy, wishing them Merry Christmas. And I went around and I said, God bless you. And they looked through the bars and we gave each other greetings. And I thought to myself, everybody needs a savior. Who are these people behind these bars? They're us.
they're us. You say, oh no, that wouldn't be me. I remember where I learned that that was me. I walked into a cell block for the first time and they turned me loose with 40 guys. Some of them were pumping iron. I didn't know a soul. They slammed the door behind me and I thought, really, I thought, I'm going to die here. And I thought, who are these people? And I was about 28 years old. And I walked through the room where they were pumping iron and watching the TV, you know, just kind of, mm. And I stuck my head into the bunk room and as soon as I did, I hear, Brother David! Yeah. 12-year-old from a church back in East Texas doing 30 for armed robbery on the top bunk over here. Recognized me immediately. So who are these people? They're us. They're us. Everybody's broken inside. Everybody's done things they're ashamed of. Everybody has a need. Everybody sometimes is discouraged. Everybody sometimes feels like a failure. That happens to us all. And God sent his son to rescue us. And when we get it, we say, I'm coming, you know. That puts a, a hurry in my steps. I'm ready to see the Savior. I want to see this baby. This is great news for all people. Unto us is born this day. A Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Those shepherds come. They see this baby. They take it all in. And they start telling the story. It's right there next to being in the manger. As soon as they leave the manger, as soon as the baby's... Uh, Back there with mama, they're starting to run into people saying, guess what's happened? Guess what's happened? Guess what happened? Do you remember when you first heard the news that God loves you, the God that made you loves you, and he provided for your salvation through his son Jesus, the startling news that God sent a Savior? You remember how you responded? I do. I remember I wanted to tell people. I was in a hurry to know him once I realized I was a sinner. And then I was in a hurry to tell people once he saved me and changed my life and, and brought that peace into my heart. I wanted people to know. You will want to tell. You'll be standing in an office in just a little bit and people will be making small talk. And there will be a word that will creep up in your throat and right up to your mouth and you will want to say, I know a savior and he can help you. It'll be right here. And the only way it's not coming out is if you shut your mouth, that's all. They told abroad this saying, you'll be in a schoolroom and somebody will say something and the word will come right up here. Or in a coffee shop or at the table Christmas day and the word will reach your lips and you will want to tell abroad the good news that the angels gave at Bethlehem. It will happen to you. You will hear from God. You will want to hurry. You will want to tell. And you will ponder these things as Mary did. The gospel writer Luke makes it almost as an interlude 
He's talking about the shepherds and the angels and the story and all the things they are doing. And then he has that verse so beautiful where he stops and says, but Mary kept all these things right here. Mary treasured them up. She treasured these things. She held them right here. This rima, this word from God, the word that the angels sang, the word that was the announcement and the invitation to the shepherds, the word the angel delivered to her about her son, the word she heard from her cousin Elizabeth. She treasured them up right here and pondered them in her heart. Luke knew, and he draws out the truth, that Mary is in a special place, the mother of our Lord. Mothers and sons, is there a closer connection in the human family? I recently stood beside a mother weeping the loss of her son. And I think about Mary, to whom Simeon said, he is, this boy of yours, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of his people Israel. And, and Mary, a sword will pierce your own heart also. Mary has a sense of what's in store. She treasured these things. She pondered them in her heart. You will ponder them too. You will ponder them this and every Christmas, thinking about this wonderful story, thinking about what it means for you and all humans. It doesn't end when first you receive Jesus. Instead, your ponderings grow. Your thoughts about Christ and the incarnation of God, they grow and develop. And every Christmas as you hear the familiar story and you hear the scriptures and you sing the songs, you think again about them and what they mean for you in the here and now. You will ponder this this morning. You're thinking about it as I tell you about Jesus as Savior and Lord. And maybe you're thinking, the exclusive Savior and Lord, the one and only Son of God? Maybe it's, maybe it's in you asking this question, how can Jesus be so special? And we, without shame, say here at First Baptist, we are Jesus people, amen? We are Jesus people. We believe that God became man one time in Jesus of Nazareth, that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. And you say, well, why would we believe that? Because it is revealed to us. Because God has intervened in human history. In the children of Abraham and the son of Mary, sending his one and only, into our midst, rescuing us from our sin. We place all our faith in Jesus, Son of God, Savior 
of the world. It is good to ponder and treasure these things in your heart and think through them. The shepherds return glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it had been told unto them. They are praising and glorifying God. Maybe you have a little question in your mind about praise. Why does God want everybody praising him? Why does God want us giving him glory? I mean, does he have to have praise and glory? What's the point? Well, you want people to acknowledge who you are. You don't want people to look at you and pretend you're somebody else when they say hi. Do you? I mean, if you're in a serious relationship with somebody, fraternal or romantic or whatever, you don't want them pretending that you're somebody else when they send you letters and give you conversation. You want to be acknowledged for who you are. You want people to know you, don't you? And God wants to be known for who he really is. And there are a lot of false ideas about God out there. God has worked through human history to deliver the truth about who he is to people like you and me. And when you hear from God and you leave his presence praising him, it pleases God because God is saying up in heaven, okay, he gets it, he knows. We give praise to the sovereign Lord of this universe who made everything there is. We give him glory because he alone is worthy. When you discover who God really is, it fills you up with praise. Maybe heretofore you thought of a God as, as mean and vindictive and now you understand that God loves you and he sent his one and only son to save you and this news just lifts your heart and lifts your voice in praise to him. If you knew who God really was, you'd never stop praising him the rest of your life. It's why Jesus taught us, hey, when you talk to God, call him father. Why do I want to call him father, Jesus? Because he cares for you. He knows the very hairs on your head. He knows when the sparrow falls and he knows all about you. So when you pray, say, Father. It's Jesus who wants you to address the Almighty this way. If you knew he was this Father who loves you, if it really made its way into your heart, if you understood how God delivers you from all your failings through his son Jesus, you would leave his presence to always give him praise. Your heart would always be full of gratitude for what God did through his son in you. You know, we come here every first day of the week. Jesus rose on the first day of the week. We come to this building as a body of believers, First Baptist New Orleans, every first day of the week, and we have worship. You know why? Because we are sinners saved by grace. And we have discovered that God is wonderful and full of grace and love and he cares for us and he is worthy of our praise. He listens to our prayers. He delivers us from our failings. He is to us life itself. And so we come here every Lord's Day as people of God have for generations 
to give him praise, to give him what is due his name. Let's bow together. Maybe you've never received Christ as Savior and Lord. You've thought about it. You've contemplated it. Maybe one time you were in a hurry to respond to this news and something intervened and you never really completed your commitment to Christ. Your Christmas worship this year is simple. Give him praise by giving him your life Praise him by giving him your life. Say to him, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I have a longing heart. Please forgive me for my sin. I want you in my life. I surrender my life to you. Would you receive Jesus personally as Savior and Lord this Christmas? Let this be your Christmas worship. God, I pray that we will leave this place acknowledging who you are by giving you praise the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.